You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Stick together and 3CR would like to acknowledge the traditional lands we produce this episode on, the lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and future and recognise the ongoing impacts of colonisation across the country to the land and to Aboriginal people. We live and work on unceded land always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Stick Together for another episode. I'm your host, James Brennan. Thank you for listening. As always, this show is brought to you by the Community Radio Federation, and we thank them for their contribution that they make in being able to produce these stories for communities across the country. Thank you to 3CR and the other producers here at Stick Together for their ongoing work in producing radio that informs educates and agitates. Thank you for listening throughout this year to the series I've put together exploring the Australian education sector and thanks to all the guests both on and off air that made that series possible. On this week's episode we're heading into the federal election and I'm speaking to Jerem Small from the Victorian Socialists. Jerem has been a long-time unionist and socialist that many listeners I'm sure would have stood arm in arm at a picket line or protest with. Socialists have long contested elections, but its usefulness has also been contested for probably just as long by others on the left. But I think no matter who is elected, there's still much work to be done in the workplaces and on the streets across the country after the election. So in the interview coming up with Jerem, we hear from him a little bit about uh, the Victorian Socialists and his own campaign in the electorate that he's running in. Uh, in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, but, but more than that, it's just a little bit of a snapshot into, uh, you know, a little bit what it's like on the campaign trail and campaigning throughout uh, this election from you know, one of the voices that we don't necessarily hear on mainstream media. We've heard a, a lot from, obviously, the major parties and, you know, this interview is not necessarily an endorsement of any um, candidates or any parties, but just to give uh, listeners an idea of a snapshot of a candidate in um, Melbourne, in Victoria, and I'm sure you know there are many other stories of, of other um, candidates and, and progressives across the country that are looking to get elected, or you know perhaps just looking to raise some issues about uh, local issues that are happening for them. Certainly, a lot of people raising concerns around action on climate change and many other things uh, around the country. So it's the interview with Jerem Small. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stick Together. I'm your host, James Brennan. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're coming right up to the home stretch of the federal election campaign trail. And uh, I'm joined by a long-term, long-time socialist. Many of our listeners as well have seen him uh, on the picket lines at many protests and campaign meetings, union meetings, and many other places across the left, across Australia. Uh, I'm joined by the social, Victorian Socialist candidate for Corwell, Jerem Small. Jerem, thank you so much for joining Stick Together. Thanks for having me on, James, and good day to everyone listening to 3CR. And before we kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts of the campaign and, uh, you know, we can kind of talk about some of the things of, of socialists running in, in federal elections. And, and I'm sure, you know, you've heard and had to make some arguments 
kind of coming from, you know, probably both sides of some of the arguments around um, the left and right on your um, campaign, not just this time, but during the last election as well. I believe we're coming to you pretty much on the campaign trail itself. You've had a, a day out on the campaign. Can you give the listeners a bit of a sense of what that kind of day, or, you know, what today looks like, what a typical kind of day on the campaign looks like? Uh, well, I'm currently sitting in the car park at uh, Meadow Heights Shopping Centre, so I've got a good view of the mosque from here. It's getting a little bit dark at the time that we're recording this. Um, yesterday, I was out here with with a whole bunch of students knocking on doors, um, which is like for a new party, like you need to have conversations to, to make our pitch to people. My basic pitch is pretty much the billionaires have had it far too easy for far too long. They've doubled their wealth in the pandemic while all the rest of us seem to be struggling. It's the sort of people that live around here, like Meadow Heights is very close to Broad Meadows. It's a very working class and migrant suburb. It's the sort of people that live around here that create all of that wealth. So how come it gets counted in Turak and in Brighton and in the top end of Collins? Street rather than around here. And the main parties are just saying to the billionaires here, have another billion, help yourself. And so we want to give them a bit of a slap come election time. Some version of that. And then the discussion can go pretty much anywhere. Um, Sometimes it's just a short discussion, you know, people in the middle of feeding the kids or whatever. Great. Other times people want to vent. <laughs> There's plenty to mm-hmm. be angry about. There's plenty of angry people out here. I had a conversation just before. So what I was doing for the afternoon today was going back around. There was about a dozen people that said, yep, we'll have a campaign sign for Victorian socialists um, in our front yard, just from yesterday's door knocking around here. So I was going around doing that for a while um, and chatted with a guy, you know, it's been, uh, I think, 18 years in the country he said uh, from turkey he he works for one of the major logistics companies he's a contractor 60 bucks a delivery from david jones or whatever that's the same rate that he was getting five years ago he has to pay all his own petrol he has which has increased enormously in that time he has to pay all of his own insurances and was just talking about the price of essentials um like that's a big talking point out here so anyway if that gives you a bit of an idea mm. um is saying okay we think that you know, we don't promise easy solutions. We don't promise miracle cures. We say rebuilding a socialist movement in this country is actually one important part of addressing the very real and very concrete uh, problems of economic hardship, of inequality, of racism that people are, are facing. Um, and that's really a big part of what Victorian socialists as a project is all about. I guess, you know, obviously for yourself and, and many of our listeners that that kind of building a project, you know, perhaps in a broader sense of, of socialism, you know, not all listeners will be members of a socialist party or, or whatever, but you know, I think probably have a broad kind of sense of that, trying to fight for something around what those kind of values mean. Where do you, where do you sit at the moment with how that kind of fight for socialism um, within a parliamentary sense? Where does that sit for you? And how do you, I guess, and mm. how do you make that argument to uh, the people that you're meeting, you know, door knocking or campaigning? And, you know, how do you put forward that kind of position? Look, socialism has been on the margins of Australian political life for a long time. I mean, the Communist Party used to be a force in Australian society and it bequeathed us the prices and incomes accord, this terrible class collaborationist um, you know, piece of politics and then voted itself out of its existence a few years after that. Um, and yeah, anyway, so in terms of rebuilding a, a, a presence for socialism and how parliament fits with that, I think having like the last socialist outside of the Labor Party to get elected to an Australian parliament uh, was Fred Patterson. He was gerrymandered out of his seat in 1950. It's been a hell of a long time since there's been a member of parliament uh, to the left of the Labor Party. 
so part of the well you know the the, the purpose of victorian socialists is as far as i'm concerned a big part of it is to um increase the reach of socialist ideas increase increase the credibility of socialist ideas by having an out and out socialist in parliament and you know spoiler alert <laughs> we're not going to win the federal election um <laughs> but we are actually a real seat a real chance to win an upper house seat in the Victorian election at the end of this year. So for people that I get into a longer discussion with about, okay, you know, what does a vote for Victorian socialists mean? I I will always explain that, you know, like it's a matter of having conversations, of building up forces, of finding contacts, of increasing the familiarity that there is this, you know, credible force around called Victorian socialists, that we stand for, you know, pretty straightforward redistributive uh, measures and a whole bunch of people power, that we look forward to a different sort of society. and that we want someone in parliament to uh, propagandise for these ideas, to be a megaphone for all sorts of struggles, um, to put, you know, there's a constant sort of pull to the right in in politics and political positions. We want to pull to the left. We want to be strident defenders of refugees, uh, strident opponents of racism on a class basis. It's not just a moral question. It's actually a form of divide and conquer that, um, you know, everyone has an interest in finding. We think having a, a, an increased platform for these ideas through uh, having someone in parliament is is something that is desirable and achievable that's pretty different to an approach to parliament that says you know bump me into parliament and i will rain you know progressive politics or even socialism down upon the masses this is i mean you know it's some people's idea of socialism it's certainly not my idea of socialism or the organization a part of a socialist alternative it doesn't have much in common with that so um and yourself yeah. and my, i mean yeah yeah well it's a big question um, but you know yourself, you've you know been heavily involved in the union movement for a long time. CFMU member and and organizer, a union organizer with Socialist Alternative, engaging in different campaigns and and struggles and picket lines and all of that kind of thing. And I mean, there are many issues in which um, the Labor Party have sort of moved away from you know a somewhat kind of left wing um, base at some point. But the union movement is is something that they they clearly have moved away from the kind of a lot of the traditional union values, but are still very intertwined into the union movement and the unions themselves. What kind of traction um, does a Vic socialist and and you know that you can see through your conversations and connections with the union movement that can bridge that kind of gap you know there's a lot of disgruntled union members across the country and you know, across victoria sorry i think i missed just the last part of your question there but um it was basically oh, just, how yeah we... connecting with you know some of the disgruntled unionists and and the union i guess themselves and you know perhaps is there a chance that we can break that kind of tie between the labor party and the union you are listening to stick together the only national radio program that focuses on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. I'm your host this week, James Brennan, and we're listening to an interview with Jerem Small from the Victorian Socialists. I think that is a very big ask, and I don't think it's on the immediate agenda. Um, I certainly, like it's true what you say, there, there's an enormous amount of uh, people, like you meet people all the time that were part of the union movement in the 70s and 80s. What happened to one rate for the job? You know, What happened to no ticket, no start? What happened to all of these things that the union movement just seems to have you know, stopped fighting for? It's always been a sort of militant mind I suppose, which has rebuilt structures and, you know, shaken up union politics from the ground up. And that, like, 
definitely, in my opinion, rebuilding socialist politics has a part to play in that. Um, there have been, if you look through the past you know, century and a half, the history of Australian trade union movement, there have been three great revivals of the Australian union movement. All of the union movement were really tied up with the revival of medical, uh, all of those revivals in the union movement were really tied up with a revival of radical politics. So I don't think we're going to get one without the other. But I think it is a very relevant project. Um, and it's not the immediate project of Victorian socialists, but I think it is a very relevant uh, project to reviving the unions. That's something quite different, though, from saying, you know, in any near term, we're going to be able to break apart the nexus between, um, you know, the structures of the unions and the Labor Party. I think those structure, those, that kind of um, symbiosis between the Labor Party and the top levels of the union movement and very large survival in pretty radical struggle, I reckon, to happen. So if we can do our bit for that by helping to revive radical politics, that's great. Um, yeah, so I see them as related problems. I think, you know, chatting to you the other day, Jaren, we are talking about some of the things that have come up um, perhaps as a a legacy of, of kind of COVID and some of the, um, you know, you spoke at the start of the interview about there's a lot of, you know, kind of anger out there about different issues. And, you know, I think it um, sounds like there's still some anger towards the things that have happened through, you know, the vaccine mandates and um, the kind of responses from levels of government. What can you paint us a bit of a picture about what that's like? I mean, I think, uh, you know, certainly we, we heard a lot of it. We hear a lot of it on mainstream media, perhaps a bit more in the past, but a lot of us may have kind of retreated into our sort of bubbles a little bit and may not be exposed to as much of um, that kind of stuff anymore what, what you know what's going on there and you know i guess to lead on to um you know do you think there's an impact that the united australia party are going to have with that kind of um grouping of people I, I think it's pretty hard to pick but it would not surprise me if united australia party um you know gets a reasonable size protest vote there's there's certainly a lot of people who are disillusioned labor Labor Party supporters who are looking for something and you know we've met people in our door knocks not so much in Meadow Heights but definitely in Broadmeadows um, who like a comrade of mine literally had someone say look you know I've always called myself a socialist I voted Labor I decided they were useless I voted Greens I decided they didn't care about the working class I'm just so pissed off this time I'm going to vote for Clive Palmer and the comrade was sort of able to say well okay that's the difference between voting for someone who does the wishes of the billionaires, i.e. the Labor Party, and an actual billionaire who has one of these people who have doubled their wealth during the pandemic and really only at it for themselves. Um, anyway, and with a bit of discussion, you know, that person was saying, okay, all right, you convinced me, I'll vote for you. That's not always the experience. There's definitely, it's a small minority, but there are definitely people who are very invested in the anti-vaccine movement, um, anti-vaccine mandate um, campaign and against lockdowns. Uh, I had a discussion, uh, would have been about a week ago on a doorstep, um, and a woman just, but well, anyway, like I, I found it impossible to convince because she was saying, um, look, none of us were vaccinated and we didn't have COVID and now all of us are vaccinated and everyone's getting COVID. So her conclusion was the vaccine causes COVID. Now, there's not much reasoning with that. Um, but I think underlying that and the sometimes, um, you know, in my opinion, wrong-headed things that people come out, come out with on a, on a doorstep is 20 or 30 years of nothing getting very much better for working class people. In fact, things deteriorating. 
then the two years of disruption and uh, fear and in many cases, especially once the economic support was ended, uh, you know, real economic hardship. And then on top of that, this recent twist with the cost of living increases, just like the, the, there's people saying to me, I've lived in this country for 35 years, I'm going to go back home. One of those people was from Iraq, you know, like there's just, there can't be a future here. Um, a comrade of mine knocking on doors around here the other day and, you know, the guy's saying, look, I'm 71 years old. I just paid this house off two years ago. Look at us. There's three generations in this house. These, these grandchildren of mine, they're never going uh, to own a house. Now, some of that can definitely be um, that very legitimate discontent can be, be captured by um, a sort of Trump-like figure, you know, um, which Clive Palmer and Craig Kelly are attempting to be. Um, and there's a minority within that that uh, like there's plenty of people that you know have an opinion one way or the other on the vaccines but it doesn't really it's not the center of their politics there's a small number that there are but together that can yeah I think that makes a pretty volatile situation so it would not surprise me to see sizable votes for the UOP in some sections of the country last time for what it's worth um like out of eight candidates in Colwell, we came fourth, Labor Liberal Greens us. So if it wasn't for us, there wouldn't have been any, you know, at all credible alternative to the, you know, bizarre and reactionary collection of um, parties, including the Citizens Electoral Council and the Palmer Party and One Nation and so on that were running last time. So it's good to be able to offer an alternative. The problem, of course, is reach, you know. <laughs> we can't buy the side of a building or, you know, a limitless Facebook ads or, um, you know, full-page newspaper ads or whatever. Um, but, you know, we're doing what we can with our bit of people power and knocking on doors um, and we'll see where we end up, I suppose. And what is, like, how would you describe Victorian Socialists' relationship to some of the other parties? And, um, you know, I mean, we don't need to say the relationship to the Liberals or, um, you know, UAP or One Nation. I think um, hopefully listeners can um, picture what that may look like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a part of Australian uh, electoral politics is about um, preferential voting and, you know, there's a lot of time, particularly, you know, once, um, I, I believe, you know, the voting is, will start this week. So, you know, campaigning at stalls and things like that. What does that look like? You know, is it like, um, is it like the battlegrounds of, of student politics or is it much more friendly? And, you know, what are those kind of things looking like for the Vic Socialists? Uh, it probably varies a fair bit from seat to seat. Like things are, are much more contested, uh, I imagine, in a place like Cooper or Wills, where the Greens are a real chance of, um, well, anyway, the, the longer term, you know, the Greens hope to be a chance of displacing Labor in those seats. In Caldwell, I mean, there's a, there's a, a, a Green um, a Greens candidate on the ballot. They don't work very hard out here. Like, it's a safe Labor seat. Um, they're not going to swing it. Um, our orientation, like, yeah, we want to do well in progressive inner city places like, you know, such as Wills and um, Cooper. But we also want to demonstrate that socialist ideas have an appeal to core areas of the working class that, frankly, like, you know, no, no one campaigns out here. We've had the experience of knocking on doors and people saying, oh, I've lived here for 24 years and no one has bothered to knock on my door, give a pitch for what they're about and, you know, see what I reckon of that, you know, so we get some credit for that. So it's not like, um, like, yeah, I mean, there's always a bit of competition and rivalry to, you know, have the best discussions and make the best pitch, you know, as people approach the polling booth. Um, and some of those uh, skills that you refer to that are, you know, developed by people in student elections, you know, fighting for every vote, like that's definitely a handy skill to have. Um, 
you probably see a bit more of that in the inner city um, compared to out here, but but definitely, you know, like we need conversations in order to say, like in order to win votes and in order to, you know, try to, this is a huge experiment for us, you know, we're, we're running in 11 lower house seats and we've got Aaron Mulvaganham, uh, you know, running in the Senate, the founder of the Tamil Refugee Council, and we want to do as well as we can. Um, so we'll definitely be uh, fighting for every vote. How tense that competition is sort of varies a lot between seat to seat, I suppose. Just as we wrap up, Jerem, tell us about how you're going to spend uh, election day and, and election night. Election day will be um, out telling people about, well, let's see, about Aaron Milvaganam, who came here as a teenage refugee, knows what it's like for refugees because he's lived it. Um, and that's something that marks us out, I think, like a lot of our campaigners, something like 200 campaigners on election day uh, will be from the Tamil community and other refugee communities. These are people who are very systematically disenfranchised and allowed to vote. You're kept here for years on end, working in oppressive conditions, you know, without even uh having the minimal political say that the rest of us get um and it's really heartening that a couple of hundred of them have said they're going to actively support aaron's campaign so uh, by standing on the booths and arguing for people to vote for aaron in the senate and for victorian socialists so i'll be with them on election day um pitching to whoever i can and trying to win a credible vote that can hopefully be a stepping stone towards doing something that no one's managed to achieve in the last several decades which is getting a socialist outside of the Labor Party into Parliament at the end of the year. In the evening, oh, well, we'll see what happens with the federal election. And we'll be, you know, assessing this is a giant experiment that Victorian socialists are doing um, to see, you know, with the small resources that we've got, but the, you know, the, the, the positive uh, pro-working class hating on the billionaires, loving refugees, pro-solidarity message, like to see how far we can spread that with the resources we've got. And then we'll be assessing, okay, what does that mean for the state election later in the year? Um, if I can just throw in, if people are interested in getting involved, obviously you can check us out on the website. I would really encourage people, even if it's just helping out on polling day for, you know, an hour or two, that gives someone else a break. It's an extra you know, spark of energy. So there's a form on the Victorian Socialist website. So if uh, any of this has an appeal to your listeners, I would definitely encourage them to get in touch. Thanks a lot, Jerem. Appreciate coming on and, uh, you know, answering questions. And uh, yeah, I mean, thank you for all your work as well. It's, um, you know, um, a bit of a change of direction with things, but it's, um, it's, it's great to be able to put so much, um, not trying to age you, but so much time of, of your uh, you know, campaigning into something that you can put forward as a platform about all the things you're passionate about. The campaigning is a lot of fun, like engaging with people and throwing something at people and seeing what they throw back. I just, it, it's it's fantastic. The weird part is hammering enormous pictures of my head into people's front lawns, but sort of goes with the territory. So anyway, yeah, thanks heaps, James, and thanks to 3CR and Stick Together and um, talk soon, I hope. Thank you. And that's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up on the program, then head to 3cr.org.au or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can contact us at 3cr at gmail.com. And my name's James Brennan. Thank you for listening. And thank you to the Community Radio Federation for their support. Uh, remember that wherever you are and whatever you do, there's a union for you. Until next time. Stay strong and stick together. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I want to just quickly say before I finish up here... 
that it's really great, uh, particularly during the federal election sort of time, we really get to see community radio and community organisations really shine in that time as we put out alternative views and alternative um, candidates and, and parties that are offering something a little bit different to what the mainstream media is. Um, so just as we um, finish up here, I'm going to finish with a song. It's called Love in the Time of Socialism. It's by Yellow House. Until next time.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.